Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey podcast fans, it's your pal Jimmy here. Now if you are listening to this message then you have found side two of our mammoth ghost quartet podcast. Uh, If you have not yet listened to side one then you will be most confused. So I suggest navigating your way through the multiverse to that one. Uh, If you are meant to be here then welcome. We left off on side two, track two, family meeting, uh, where we got to know a bit about the family dynamics of the ushers. And uh, side two, two, track three, track three, four friends. friends. kind of dead person which is the other four friends is uh a site where are we side two track three we gotta say it um yep. is the next take your mask off check mark in this show yep right um any kind of dead person if you asked me yesterday i would say was more thematically related to the through line of the show than four friends yes i don't know if i would stick to that right now yes um Four friends, we make jokes about four different kinds of whiskey, basically. Um, everyone very much steps out of any character they've been playing. Uh, yes. I don't think there's a lot of calls into anything they're talking about. And like in 
any kind of dead person where they pass around a bunch of percussion instruments. Now they pass around a bunch of shots of whiskey, basically. They absolutely did. But great. I don't know what it, this, this alcohol bent new take being kind of new to you. How does this, how does four friends land with you now? Oh, like the positive side, do you mean? Yes, yes. Because this, I think it's all negative. <laughs> you think it's all negative? Because I... Yeah. You, really? Okay. Um, uh, hang on. This is a happy song. Uh, but I'm sorry, the line, when he tucked me in with that sad little grin, I think maybe I don't want to know. Sure. It's... There's a there's a forest burning somewhere, and the moon is red as blood. But then I look in your eye, and the fairies come, and I'm swishing my toes in the mud, and I'm dancing on the stones of the oracle. Like the world's terrible until I start drinking, and you let me escape. Yeah, okay, I'll give you the last verse. I'll give you the last verse, but the I think the first three, um, it's it's you know your dark companion. <laughs> But I mean, when I was poor and lonely, I put you in my jelly jar, and now that I'm not anymore, I, I, you still remind me of where I came from and where I might go to when the zombies show up. Like it's yeah. it's certainly dark humor, but it's not like I think this is one of the difficulties of discussion of alcohol in general is that there is. <sighs> There is this implicit, uh, like, connotation of lack of character with any kind of drugs, right? Oh, you do that because you can't, or you don't, or you won't, or it makes you stupid. And I'm not saying that, like, smoking makes you cool, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's why that negative connotation exists, frankly, because of things like D.A.R.E. and like other anti-drug and anti-alcohol programs, because marketing companies realized early on that if they can sell a drug as cool, that it'll get people on board. And so one of the best ways to counter that isn't to talk about the negative health detractions, but to sell it as anti-cool. As to sell it as, oh, this is a stupid thing, and is your vice, and is the the crutch that you need, and it's it's just a drink, it's just a chemical that affects your brain in different ways. Some of them mm. unhealthy, some of them bad for you in society, and some of them not. But because we have this negative connotation, it is where we approach this. And I sound like an alcohol apologist here, and I don't want to. <laughs> um, no, not at all. But no, I, I again, I, I do know what you mean. But I think to me, yeah, alcohol is very much it, it's an indulgence. You make the choice to indulge, or you make the choice to have. It's like you can, you know, you can play with something too much. Sure, for sure, right? Have and you, it you, can become the it can become your dark friend. That's what I mean. It can become this dark thing that sits beside you. I think it bec- it can become your dark friend, but it doesn't immediately have to become your dark friend. It can just become your friend, and that is what this song is exploring to me. Not not on either side, but the dichotomy of it. I think the show explores that. Like, yeah, I think it's what's tricky about this one is because it's not. Again, because this is one of the relaxing songs, it's not as imbued into the sure 
into the, the plot. deep themes of the yeah, story about yeah. the about the best connection we have is in the last scene roxy's like you won't live that long if you keep drinking the way you do right we're already yeah. there in a negative light um but to me to me the one that always sticks out is dave's verse it's which one dave's verse so the one yes. um uh maker's mark mm-hmm. uh that is what i see as alcohol <laughs> sure do you know what i mean that's that when it becomes the dark friend that's when it becomes the there's nothing left yeah i've resigned there's there's a to the world of sloth there is a, a reading there though that and like again you know, this is hard for me to walk this tightrope because i do not want to come across as an alcohol apologist there's a reading in that verse from Dave's perspective, but not from his daddy's perspective, where he doesn't have to know because his his dad was able to find the escape in the alcohol. I think it's a stretch, certainly. I don't know what you mean, sorry. So, you know, instead of, say, whatever, you know, ghouls from his past that Dave's dad is dealing with in that verse where he pours the the his whiskey. If instead yeah. of pour if the whiskey is the thing that allows him to not share it with his son and keep it inside and have a sad little grin about it instead yeah. of passing it along it becomes a a quote unquote good thing in that context. I think this is a stretch. I don't think any audience No, I don't is think that is a stretch. Do you know what I think it is? Yeah. It's a fucking good segue. <laughs> No, wait, I want to say one more thing. Do you? Have you ever watched Elaine Stritch's One Woman Show? No. You should. I've seen clips. Yeah. You should. The whole thing is worth watching from front to back because there's a narrative line about her life that has, you know, she's a self-admitted alcoholic with a huge problem um, and drinking on stage. But there's subtlety to it that is important. And I think... Often we, you know, just paint it with the wide cloth of alcohol bad, alcohol slothish, alcohol negative. Or like, oh, this zany thing this performer is able to do, and she's crazy, so of course she drank. And there is subtlety to it. And I especially think in, in, in this show, in the context of musical theater, right, the relationship between Alcohol and performers is important and doesn't like, and this is a show that's exploring it in ways that other shows don't, you know, other shows don't talk about alcohol as much or as openly um, with in comparison to how much people drink and how much it is a part of society. You know, it is often a punchline or a simplistic thing. And that I think leads to a lot of the like stigma around alcoholism and the assumption of slothiness um, and like that deadbeatness that becomes associated with alcohol because we don't talk about these things. And I, I, well, it's just, ah, it's the psychology of addiction, right? Yeah. It, it affects your brain chemistry different. And so you imbibe differently. Um, and like this show approaches it in a way that I haven't seen in other pieces of art, frankly. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think absolutely. there is more dimension in here. You should watch Elaine Stritch's show. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, jump it back on your segue though. I can't believe you ruined that. I'm sorry. That was so, it was I'm perfect. so it was so good. Cause we you were talking about fathers 
and Sons. Which is, of course, track four. Side two. Tell me about this song from your perspective. So, from my perspective, well, obviously I view this show now from the themes that, that I've cultivated from. So that's, that right. is my perspective. Of course, of course, of course. Um, but to me, it's, it is uh, a, a fight, not a fight, uh, like passing off of, not responsible, I'm not saying this right at all, um it's a it is it is the um like communication of the vice not communication in like talking way but like in, in passing upon it's the self-fulfilling prophecy yes yeah it is a robberous yes do you know that yes the snake eating yes. its own tail which snake i think this, its own this whole show is um it, in so many ways yeah it's like yet another illusion this is the the thing is is what as I've been getting older, what I've realized is there's literally one idea. And <laughs> everything just feeds into that idea. Yeah. Um, and when we get to that one idea, whatever that is, like the final boop, yeah. that's the meaning of life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And maybe it is 42. It could be. Probably Anyway, is. Um, that's far too existential for right now. Um, yeah, this basically, what Fathers and Sons is, is the Father Usher and Son Usher, who's called the Fool, um he uh basically is being like go make something of yourself you don't want to end up like me and he's like yeah i don't want to end up like you uh because i'll probably be the same thing right like d- don't don't be like me i'm a drunk and he's and he's like you're right i'll go and start my heroin business instead exactly exactly and i will have this kind of negative life Yes. And also... If anyone pushes me, I'm going to push them back. And does... Here's where we have maybe one of the more overt crossovers between stories, but where we learn that the fool Usher is the pusher from the subway plot line from, like, blatantly centuries apart. Exactly. They're the same... They are happening at the same time. They are entangled. And we don't see this as often with the... uh, the the uh, male characters in this show um, identifying you you absolutely don't. as as similar samesies. Yeah, and I think it's actually it's an important one to look at. Yeah, is if you think about it as every you know, there's a reason why they all play the same parts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, and there's a reason why they play the particular parts they play, and I think it's quite interesting to look at um, Brett uh, Brent in comparison to. The fool, the pusher, the bear. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way as well, looking at the astronomer, mm-hmm. to Daddy to Usher. Daddy Usher, yeah. It's, it's you know, I mean, there's 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 allusions there, yeah, not as blatant as, right. but there's uh, there's things, a but reason. they're on the same journey. Right. They're all happening at the same time, but they have connections drawn between them. <clears throat> exactly.
takes us into Usher Part 2. Yes, we do. We get Again, we get reminded of the subway. Yes. Right at the end. Yes. And, which, and, again, helps you link it all together. And more in the next piece, which is almost entirely Usher plotline, but there is the driver can't stop the ghost is here. Um, which now, Entanglement. You know, about about halfway through side two, it it all it all starts falling apart, coming together. I don't know what the right metaphor is. <laughs> um, Exa- yeah, completely, completely and utterly. Um, and yeah, just a bit more horror and a bit more drive. Um, but this is the moment where Roxy dies. Yes, and we are. <laughs> Sticking to at least the, the core thematic elements of the House of Fall of the House of Usher, the Poe short story, um, and like talking about, I think some more overt uh, concepts of death and the deceased and what happens to the deceased. Like this is really yep. maybe one of the first times we see someone die in the show we talk about and around death a lot in soldier and rose and a couple other places but this is the first time like my character starts the song alive and ends dead yes one of the things that that sticks to me and i'm intrigued to see what you think yeah is when uh lady usher Uh uh is saying uh oh roxy why did you have to die i forgive you Talk about that for a bit. It's interesting. I mean, the part that sticks out to me about that is what happens right after, where Gelsey sings Oroxy, Oroxy, and then O'Rose. Um, yes. Which is fascinating. I hadn't thought about what is Mother Usher forgiving Rose for, or is this Pearl forgiving Rose in this moment is this yeah exactly is this pearl forgiving rose um this idea of forgiveness again yeah i want to just nail a dart through that because it's gonna come into play a bit more and i think thinking of it in the context of the finale oh yeah um might start to shed some light yeah but as to what she means especially if this is the part where it all starts falling apart um or like the 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 lines start blurring um yeah seeing pearl be able to forgive rose in this existential moment starts to become important because ostensibly pearl is forgiving rose for killing her later but that's in the past right at the end of the subway bit or yep. not saving her at the very least which ostensibly is killing her because that was rose's goal from the beginning um and seeing this forgiveness because their lives are so intertwined perhaps yep. resulted because Roxy as Rose needs to go through this horrible trauma of being stuck in what is a spooky, terrible place, clearly, while being very much aware of the potential opposite of, you know, soul heaven. Yeah. And like w- watching her go through that hardship in this cycle helps explain maybe why Rose is the way she is, but it's all out of order. So it's hard to tell, you know, what justified what. Yeah. But that's the point. So yeah, we'll come back to that. We will. Idea. Remember. Um, Track six. 
Side two, the telescope. That's good, that's real good. Now just one more time. Look into my telescope, tell me what you see. I see, I see two stars. Yes, Sigma Orion is a B. A binary star Two stars Lost in time He's back Our antagonist The evil, evil antagonist (laughs) (laughs) The villain of the whole piece has returned It commits villainy. Antagonist doesn't have to mean villain. In the same way that protagonist doesn't have to mean protagonist good guy. Protagonist doesn't need to mean good guy. Right. Exactly. Yes. Antagonist causes no, no, the problem with the protagonist. <laughs> yes. Ah, no, completely. Which I think um, the astronomer, like, cause, okay, maybe cause isn't even the right thing. Well, from, from a simplistic audience-centered viewing. Yes. F- fault is the wrong word, but it's the astronomer's fault. Yes. It's not, in, in comparison, it doesn't feel like it's Pearl's fault. The astronomer in this, in this track, we didn't even say, the thing we're talking about is in the Two Sisters timeline, um, both Pearl and Rose, or their counterparts, are in love with uh-huh. the astronomer. But the astronomer chooses Pearl. And it is important yes. that the astronomer chooses Pearl. Pearl doesn't choose the astronomer. Like that, the choice, the fact that he is kind of ostensibly given the choice between the two of them. Uh huh. At least narratively. And yes, then uh-huh, give that. picks Pearl is, I think, the thing that at this point pushes him into that antagonist bucket, if loosely. Yes. Um, I think Telescope has some of the best rating. Yeah. I really freaking love it. Um, so basically the kind of idea is, is that um, Dave, it just feels a bit like he's grooming them. Do you, I yeah. mean, there's something there. It's very, it feels It's very sinister. creepy. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, what he's doing feels it's not What he's actually doing isn't that weird. No, it just feels but it feels sinister. weird. Yeah, so basically he's getting them to look through his telescope uh, and tell them what they see. Yeah. Um, and the way that he describes it is very scientific. Mm-hmm. And the way that they uh, describe it is is poetic, frankly. It's poetic and beautiful. Um, and he's into that. He's like, that's a lovely way of thinking. Fantastic. Um, and in, uh, in the plot, which isn't written in this song, but is alluded to much earlier, the astronomer yes. then writes down what Rose has said about these descriptions of the stars. He steals this work and publishes it in a prestigious journal. Yes. That's in the text. Because he's lazy. Because he's lazy, and they don't include it here. Which I put in my antagonist arguing thesis. But he's just lazy. It's just a choice. Sure, but it's mean. Is it mean? Yeah, it's mean to steal other people's work. I feel like that's an agreed-upon human tenant. Yeah, I guess. I don't like to look in black and white, Tommy. <laughs> um, but anyway, what 
is then I just find it quite interesting what they're describing when they look at these stars. Um, there's lots of uh, darkness. Yeah. There's lots of um, negativity. Again, yeah. like this well, this idea. And each- they don't look through it and see hope. I mean, because I feel like if you look at a star, you're like, wow, wonderment, excitement, joy. Um, She sees violence and she sees depression. Yeah. And and everything she sees is somewhat a bit of a metaphor for another portion of the story. Um, Yes. You know, uh, like, especially the binary star system, two women in the forest in the evening in a light rain, the older has no expression on, the younger hangs her head, the younger is in love, was in love, is in love, was in love. Like, Yeah. yeah, that's Rose. Duh. Yeah. No, completely. Um, the the violence, the anger yep. echoes what happens in the subway. Yep. The depression echoes what's happening in Usherland. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And violence and depression, negativity is the thing that runs through the whole. Yeah. Which is show, which is know? so fascinating that like earlier we talked at, at length about you know astronomy and star watching being this kind of embracing of. I don't know, the beyond, which I kind of associate with a hopefulness, um, but maybe Uh that's because I'm a dyed-in-the-wool optimist. Um, (laughs) But, like, I cannot imagine looking at a star and just feeling depressed as, like, my first reaction. Yeah, or seeing hopelessness. Right, you know, it's specifically about the star. Like, I can imagine looking at space and feeling hopelessness, like the lack of star or the emptiness. But, like, looking at a giant ball of energy, it is that juxtaposition is fascinating to me. Yeah, means you've still got your star child. Still there. Thank goodness. It's not gone yet. Um, And again, we hear some more wishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish that I could sing like you. I wish that I could feel things. Mm -hmm. Oh, wouldn't that be great? can't be arsed <laughs> important very important sure character development and I'm haunted by those memories of who I used to be so dancer i love i love the Uh, existence of this song yes it is such 
it's 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 so pretty and it starts with a joke um like it starts with a joke scene um between rose red and charizard whatever her name is um charizard there it is um (laughs) that is a mirror of the first camera shop scene like yes word Uh for word and we're set up for the joke where you know my sister's name was dunyazad um not rose (laughs) ha right it's a joke because it's a reversal of expectation um but then we enter this existential quandary of going to a tango with yourself and not being able to dance yes whoa like that describes a feeling i've had yeah go on i mean you know we get to it later in prayer in a big way in a way that i want on like a big poster on my wall um yeah but like those moments when you feel like you 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 can't be your truest self because you've already used it all up looking at yourself um you know that that kind of self-contextualization um and the self-contextualization versus self-actualization if we're going to uh-huh. use big uh-huh. words around it um and like not being able to achieve what you want what you think yourself what you think you are um not being able to dance with yourself not being able to meet your own expectations of yourself, I think is one of the most debilitating feelings in the world. Um, because who else has control over you other than yourself? And if you can't do it, who else can? And like, certainly that's a fallacy. And the, the point of the show is to get over that, but it is embodying, I think a, a core and difficult to describe human feeling that we all feel and pretend we don't. Yeah. I hope, <laughs> because, you yeah. know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, come. I think I think that's the thing. This this is all a universal experience. Yeah. Um, the yeah the the language that that, that he uses. Um, I was empty then, and I'm empty now, but it's not the same at all. It's such a simple it's refrain. So, it's, it's so, so good. effing beautiful. It's um, so good because that's the thing. You think of the word empty and you do think negative. Yeah, but it doesn't you know what I mean? have to be. Um, Not at all because an empty glass can be filled with right. iron brew. <laughs> Which would be a wonderful use of it. It'd be a wonderful star-tailed use. Yeah. Um, or it could be filled with trash. Right. Well, and that is, you know, that is the cyclical nature of the show, right? A glass is empty after you finished it, but also then it's ready to be filled up again. I mean, this is Exactly. You know, I work in educational theater, um and every other month at strike, a different you always get questions from like people who mean well but don't know theater enough. Like the like uh, when your mom comes after the show and she asks you how you remembered all those lines and you're like, "Oh, exactly. What a sweet yeah. question." Um but like usually during strike, someone invariably will ask, do you get sad when a show ends? And yep. my answer across the board is always no, because getting this one out of here means we get to put another one in. Um, yep. And like that's the reason I'm in educational theater to begin with, is that yep. we get to keep doing them. Um, yep. But I see the dichotomy of that. I'm, exactly. I'm empty now. I was empty then, but it's different. Okay. And so here is Scheherazade after a thousand and one stories mm-hmm. um, at, at the end of it. And she, she can't, she can't see the iron brew. Yeah. She can only see the trash. Yeah. Um, and 
it's just in this negative world. There's no potential for her anymore. She can't see the 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 joy that could be. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it, it submits to this fact of well, that's that. Yeah. And it it is interesting because this you can't is, go on forever. And because we're we're meeting the story out of order, this is the first time we've met Sherazad. It is indeed, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're kind of Merlining her, and we meet her backwards um, at the end of her thousand and one stories. Um, her plot point: thousand and one pieces of stardust, which is how we get the stardust, and why Rose is here is to get exactly the stardust. Um, and again, thinking, talking about like the actual story, mm-hmm. I think they need to say something about here's a piece of start. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean? no, because it's it's very ambiguous as to what the stardust, yeah, is talking about because it only gets mentioned uh-huh. by the bear, yeah, and right here when she says, "I need some stardust," I, mean, says, I think I might have some somewhere. There, there is a reading of this story where the entire existence of Ghost Quartet is a Scheherazade story, right? Like, that ah, is absolutely. the cyclical nature of this and why it isn't one line down. Yeah, completely. And in many ways it is, because um, the I, I know it's framed as an Usher story, but the... Um, well, I guess because it's Mummy. But uh, in Lights Out, which is just coming up, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea of you know, a mother telling her daughter a story. I know that Shahrazad and Denizad are sisters, but... Yeah, there is a... Um, um, <laughs> it, it's still, an, you know, I mean, there's just, it's, it's a fami- familial storytelling... Well, and that is it. And thing. even beyond the, the familial, there's just this exploration of, like, what is human relationship and how do we create that? And is it through yeah. the stories we tell or the experiences we have or both? Yep. Um Absolutely. It's a beautiful song. And my goodness, Kelsey Bell does it very well. Oh, man. If you go through uh, the genius annotations, um, some, of, <laughs> yeah. some of my favorite, there's one point where Dave Malloy wrote, Kelsey Bell, I mean, what the fuck? And then later on, he goes, Kelsey Bell, I mean, seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. And he's right. <laughs> he's right. He also says it about he Britain right. twice. <laughs> Poor Brent. Not, yeah, well. He plays cello well. He talks about his Eru playing a lot. He does. That's true. Shall we talk about Monk? Track eight. Yeah. Side two. Sam, what's behind that door? David thinks Monk. A monk. Like you. No, no, not like me. Monk. Thelonious Monk. He thinks the ghost of Thelonious Monk is living behind that door. This hidden door in the 14th century Persian palace of Shah Zaman. David serenades him every night with music from that piano. And it's the last piano in the world. And its keys cut his fingers with every note he plays. Because the gods have decreed that humans don't deserve music anymore. Because we don't treat it holy enough. And every sound gives him migraine thickness, blinding pressure, bamboo shoots in the fingernails, yet... Listen. He plays Thelonious Monk's music every night 
in the hopes that Monk's ghost will awaken from his slumber, open the door and forgive him, and grant him a kiss, a smile, and a meaning for all of his pain. Oh, what a weird diversion. (laughs) It is a weird diversion. And it's funny what you were talking about earlier about um, author illusions. Yes. Including, because this clearly is intentional and important. Yeah, I, I kind of get it. Is there anyone in your life uh-huh. who you idolize? A plenty, yeah. And I mean, like, not a fiction, uh, like, uh, you know, a legend and yeah, icon sure. legend. It would be pick, in the icon legends and stars category of pick, heads pick, up. You know, pick an easy one, Stephen Sondheim, right? But is it like? You know, is it oh, like idolizing? In, okay. Do you mean like I? Do you mean idolizing no. and I think they're great at what they do so much so that like I view them as beyond human? Or do you think idolizing in like they do what I want to do as well as I want to do it? I mean the the former. Okay. Um, the deification. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes up there, in a way that I because acknowledge I, it, right? Uh-huh. In, a, in a in a way that I think is a thing we try and do well with artists is like when artists do something very very well, it becomes greater than them, and it is yes. easy to try and want to make them bigger than they are, and that's important and necessary while also acknowledging the fact that like deep down inside they're still made of bones and muscle and human stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know that's what you should do. Um, But I know for me, Mm. I'm really guilty of not doing that. Yeah. Um, Who do you idolize? Particularly with, so Jeff Jeff Buckley. Oh, okay. To me, the man's a god, the man's a god. Like, (laughs) (laughs) to to borrow from Sunday. Um, Yeah, like, I I, I idolize him. He is on a pedestal for me. Uh, If I believed in magic he is a magical being. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? It, it gets into the irrational. Yeah. I'm very aware of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, But for me, that's just what I have with it. It's yeah. my religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think, <laughs> to bring it right, I think that's what's going on here. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, uh, where is it? Um, Gelsey and Britain are on stage, ostensibly in character as some permutation of whoever they are, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're Dunyazad and Shinyazad. Shinyazad, yeah, 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 yeah. Charizard. Uh, I just call it Charizard. I'm into that. I love it. Yeah. Um, And listening to this piano music. And then Britain asks, hey, what's behind that door? And Gelsey says, David thinks monk. He doesn't say the astronomer. He doesn't say who's the emperor, Al Al Shazad. Um, he doesn't say any of David's character names throughout the show. He said he says David thinks monk. Yep, and th- that I think absolutely lends credence to the fact that this is just because Dave Malloy idolizes Thelonious Monk. Exactly, it's what is behind that door. What is the thing that? What is your star child like? That's yeah. like, I, I generally like it is. He's writing this scripture yeah. within this show. I really think that like, um, and for him it is. No, it could just be the music that Thelonious it might not be Thelonious Monk himself and I think even with Jeff Buckley, I know and I will read all about all the negative things that Jeff Buckley did, Yeah, but I separate that. I have the centrifuged that artist. to the point 
exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, he was divining something. And I, I imagine knowing Dave Malloy a little bit and knowing his work, he's mm-hmm. the kind of person who appreciates the fact that art is a divined thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, sorry if I'm putting words in your mouth, David, but here. I mean, I don't, I don't think he would say it in, in, well, I think he has said it in In such wanky terms. I'm sure. I think he says it much more poetically and usually sings it with, you know, uh, uh, melodicas involved. Um, yeah, but you know, Thelonious Monk who deconstructed jazz and took a previously structured art form and threw the rules to the wind to try and rearrange them and figure it out back again into the face of it. Like that's the show. Um, yeah. And so of course Thelonious Monk is in here and like they're, they're playing with the monk metaphor uh-huh. bizarrely yeah, yeah, yeah. and interestingly and only for this bit like Thelonious Monk doesn't really come back yeah, kind of kind of but we're not this is the, music does this is certainly the most we talk about him it is always explicitly yeah it is interesting to me and this is why I think uh uh Dave Malloy like many artists are always more clever than they're letting on even in those moments where they think where they're trying to not look clever um in the live recording, when they're collecting the rhythm instruments um, around the time when Dave says, oh, that's the worst kind of percussion instrument. Um, uh-huh. He says, uh, give it up for Brian. Um, Brian? Brent. Brent. He says, Brent. give it up for Brent. Um, playing some, I think, Thelonious Monk over there. This is at the end of side one. We haven't even talked about monks yet, much yeah. less Thelonious Monk. We, and like, uh, don't I know Thelonious Monk is not a monk. These are different things, right? But like this, <laughs> this thread has not even entered the show yet. Dave knows he, this song's coming up. He wrote it. Um, and the fact that he mentions it at the beginning, um, you know, like the whole show is the show. The cell phone announcement is the show. The picking up the musical instruments is the show. The curtain call is the show. Um, like yeah. the fact that he brought up Thelonious Monk that early on, that ain't no accident. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just reading it now. Like, 100, 100% thinks he's God. He plays Thelonious Monk's music every night in the hope that Monk's ghost will awaken from his slumber, open the door and forgive him, and grant him a smile, a kiss, and a meaning for all of his pain. Yeah. That is religion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that is this discussion of the, the word we use ghost for. Like... Yeah. W- Sometimes... This is where, like, our human words can't do it, but the concept of, like, what we leave behind or what becomes us or what even is us right yeah. is that our stories is that our music is that our musical theater is that our play like this whole thing is calling that into question implicitly and explicitly um and this Thelonious Monk moment is just like a different way into it through the lens of music but in one uh-huh. that seems personal and, and important and it seems that way because it is so out of left field yeah totally um but I, it's just a very for me it's actually a really personal moment yeah for Davey because uh, I've I've been over my many years I've written lots of things about Jeff Buckley and you know all very private things yeah because to say them out loud you'd sound like a madman of course um, 
Which, and I really appreciate that he's done it yeah, here. Yeah, and which, you know, they lampshade right here, right? Th- no, no, not like me. Monk, Thelonious Monk. He thinks that the ghost of Thelonious Monk is living behind that door. This hidden door in the 14th century Persian palace of Shah Zaman, right? Like, they lampshade that craziness right there. They say, like, yeah, yeah. that sure does sound crazy. That's what David thinks. That guy over there. You know, the author, the guy who wrote the show. Anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a fascinating choice and an interesting way to end side two. Absolutely. But speaking of the end of it, it ends very interestingly. Do you remember a time when we weren't just sisters? Do you remember anything else? No, not yet. But I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. Call back to, you know, do you, I forgive you, this kind of. Don't you remember? Yep. Yep. Yes. And so this is it. Is it starting to peel? And we just talked about it two seconds ago um, where we're talking about the storytelling idea and that, you know, uh, Shahrazad could be telling Ghost Quartet right. to Dunyazad. Right. Um, well, and here we have in Lights Out, yeah. uh, Rox, uh, Lady Usher telling Roxy the story. the story of Arabian Nights. Exactly. Which could be Ghost Quartet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the, the overlap. It's all kind of coming together now Mm -hmm. it is one big old circle mommy mommy will you read me a story roxy roxy honey you've got to go to sleep but i can't it's not dark enough there's too many little lights little moons Little candles, little snowflakes, little glows, little bits of stardust. Hush now, Roxy, honey. Those are little magic lights is all. Each little magic light is a little magic story. Little moons, little candles, little snowflakes, little glows, little bits of stardust. See, it's better when you tell it, Mom. Did your mom ever tell you stories? My mom wasn't very nice. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. Just one story. All right. Arabian night. Yeah. So this number is fun. Yes. Not this number. What's happening in this number is really fun. And I had a great time in the theater. Yeah. Do they do they turn off all the lights? They turn off all the lights and they time it very well. (laughs) Because it goes, this is side three, track one, lights out. Beat out. And it's great. That's awesome. It is so good. Because, and he says it in the genius annotations, it never happens. No. You never get a blackout. No, you never get... A blackout. A, yeah, you never get totally dark. And there's... <clears throat> can I tell you, one of these days, Jimmy, you're going to come to my part of the United States. Um, uh-huh. And if we have time, um, I want to take you to Wind Cave, South Dakota. Um, Sounds lovely. Wind Cave. Wind Cave is... I think, if not 
the oldest, one of the oldest national parks in the United States. Um, right. Was, was founded before the national parks was like a thing. And then they like inducted it into it. Um, and it is, South Dakota is a, a fine but kind of boring state. Pretty flat. Okay. Not a lot of stuff going on. Lots of prairie and stuff. Um, and you drive up to Wind Cave and it's like a tiny little forest. Um, and it's not a lot. You know, it's just this kind of normal-ish looking generic outdoorsy scene. Um, and then you go through this door and you take this staircase down and down and down into one of the largest, most cavernous, most confusing, naturally forming caves in the continental United States. Um, yeah. It is huge and massively unexplored. Um, you know, you look at it like a, a map of it, and it's a map of a cave, so it's like a 3D, bizarre-looking thing, and they take you on this mm. tour down, and it is already like a, you know, it feels like you're on a, a different planet, but that's not even right because you're so enclosed and you've never felt this before. And one of yeah. the things they do at the very end of the tour is because you're, you know, five stories underground. The tallest elevators in South Dakota are in Wind Cave, and they bring you up from the bottom of it to the very to the right. surface level. And they're still only like six stories tall, which tells you a lot about South Dakota. Um, yeah. But at the very end of the tour, one of the things they do is they turn off all the lights. Yeah. And it is an unhumanly experienced to be in absolute pitch blackness absolutely i've had i had the same experience in Cherder gorge in, in england yeah um which is, is the same it's a series of caves and yeah it is it, and they kind of explain that it's like you don't get to experience this no no so much so that like human perception can't deal with it like after exactly after like 20 seconds or so your body can't tell if your eyes are open or closed anymore yep um and to, great. to try and do that and make it such a part of this show about ghosts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's because um, I'm fascinated with uh, sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fascinated. Um, would love to try it one time if I had the money. Uh, and it's, yeah, th- again, there's magic in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's magic in the darkness. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm a technician by trade. My whole magic lives in the darkness. Like my, my, like a lot of the magic of theater is about selectively deciding what you keep in the darkness, just on a physical, literal scale. Um, And to put everything in the darkness, what a choice. Exactly. Um, And that's the thing is, you know, when you are in this sensory deprived state, when you lose your sight, Mm -hmm. uh, your mind creates things to see. Yes. Because your eyes are working, yeah. and you need to do it, and it it helps you, yeah, comprehend things by making you see things, yeah, and that's a cool thing, yeah, about this part of the story, yeah, is that your um, eyes, because, are, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, theaters don't let you have pitch blackness, right? Um, but as far as they can get, they'll get there, and it's, yeah. it's cool, yeah. Um, one thing I love, and again, go into the genius annotation because it's great, but uh, David is very much, Dave, sorry, is very much uh, camp, switch off your fucking phone. Yeah, I mean, um, who wouldn't be at this point? I just, and I was very grateful that when I saw it mm-hmm. in the Fringe, people stuck to this idea. Yeah. Which was good. That's good. Um, 
Yes, uh, but he has an amazing tirade um, about people who are awful, <laughs> selfish, stupid, soulless slimes, uh, and he's correct. Yeah, he's absolutely correct. And it's it's right if you know um, the his musical preludes. He has a another rant about it uh, in the first symphony and that as well, which is great. And it's very there's almost like some lines taken from this exact <laughs> tirade, which is fab. Um, so we're in darkness. We're in darkness. And then we move into the photograph. It's all going on. It's all happening. And now we know enough. Exactly. Like we've finally gotten, I don't know, exposition is the wrong word for this kind of show. Um, yes. Uh-huh. But you've met every character. And so in the photograph, which is about the subway. Uh, well, I guess that's when the photograph was yeah, taken. But it's about everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the photograph... Sure, it happened in the subway. Right. But the photograph exists. Yeah. And the photograph, frankly speaking, this song is happens after the what will become the climax in a couple songs. Because it is a discussion of Rose having seen the ghost in the photograph that she hasn't yet taken in the chronology of the show. Yes. Um, but talks a lot about a lot of the things we've been talking about. Like the, you know, what are your existential you know what you might call religious or world or humanistic views um and i love that this song kind of lumps them all together together um yeah you know she believes in the oversoul that all living things in the universe are part of a single consciousness she also believes in never drinking coffee on the go um yeah and and those things absolutely deserve to be next to each other Yes. Which I think that is important. The fact that, like, we can talk about these things next to each other. Yes. Um, she also believes in soul. Very important. Yeah, well, soul. obviously. Yes. Um, the Yeah, I think this is... It is quite an important song um, uh, for our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Because this is very much the, the struggle this is where she's done bad and needs to work out how to 
get out of that. Right. Well, and this this is, sense. you know, if if you follow the line of the song, we are told that Rose believes in soul. And then the question is asked, how did her belief system break down? And it says, softly. Yes. And then the, the, question, the question is like, more elegantly phrased, but like, does Rose still believe in soul after having seen a ghost? Um, kind of, maybe? Um, I said it, and then I didn't know if I believed it. Yeah, I, because I think, uh, yeah, it's because, it's because this word ghost. Right. Which, which were. A ghost, or rather, a ghost. Right, right, right. In terms of, like, this thing. Right. And, like, if we're talking, you know, ghost, capital G, ghost quartet, not, ooh, spooky ghost. um, Uh Uh-huh. Seems like it might be something close to the concept of a soul. Seems like. I. If we're going to talk around it because we don't have the word for it exactly it's it's the yeah i'm not i'm not there yet with it i mean i'm not there yet with understanding Mm -hmm. exactly what the the kind of negative like i feel i've got the positive Mm -hmm. i'm still working through and sorting out what this negative side is in the the falling back and the getting in into the laziness mm-hmm. and the indulgence and the sloth. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like this uh, low world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In his dark materials, it's the uh, the Asphodel Fields style thing, the land of the dead, mm-hmm. where everyone's just existing. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's that thing, and this is what her, because the, the photographer, yeah, her as the photographer, um, is being passive. Yeah. And uh, Dave Mullet is really, really great, and you should go look at it because it's actually very powerful. Um, I, I think it's in Subway. Uh, basically, like this is this one photo that he has mm-hmm. is the inspiration for this whole thing. Oh yeah, it's and like it's a, totally right. It's like a like a Daily Mail front page or something. One of those terrible yeah. newspaper rags of like someone clinging to the side of a subway platform while the subway's approaching and like the headline is like imminent death and yeah. clear and clearly someone took the photo. Exactly. Yeah. Someone is being passive in that moment and this for Rose, yeah. this is her choosing to be passive. This is her in my opinion, this yeah. is her beginning this journey into becoming the astronomer and right. becoming the fool, so, you know, the people who sit back, the soldier. Right. Do you think, because, and I think we'll, we're going to get there soon, um, yeah. but like in prayer and hero there, this, this show has a grand, a grandiose discussion of, you know, put simply, is there life after death? Or is there this oversoul? Or does our consciousness mm. continue beyond us? Or does our purpose, does our ghost continue to echo through history forward and backwards? Right? Mm-hmm. This kind of concept that we're talking around. If that is true, then what Rose did, being passive, taking the photo and not helping, is yeah. fine. Because as we've seen, clearly... Pearl continues to have many lives, both forward and backwards. Yeah. We should talk about that again when we hit Hero. We, yeah, we absolutely should. But I think the, the key is, is it happens to Rose. True. 
Yeah, like she. It's we, not um, a. It, it goes yeah. beyond peril. Yes, it is just about Rose. Yeah, that we're concerned with um, her experience. Yeah. Um. And it ends with this again, very crucial line for when we come to the finale. Um, Rose is the same as anybody else, anyone yeah. else. Well, and it is interesting that that line, which is a part of a ton of fan art on Tumblr, is the answer to the question, how many people has Rose been? Yes. And the answer is, Rose is the same as anyone else, which on the surface is not an answer. Yes. Um, and I think there's lots of different ways to, to pull that apart. Yeah. As well, because you could argue... Uh, you could argue the thought that there's one person. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we're all just living overlapping lives. That yeah. is the one life, absolutely. Yeah. Which, is, um, I mean, that's, well, um, you know, there are tons of world religions founded on that belief. Well, that's the universal consciousness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is literally what they say, the oversoul. It's, yeah. it's that there's one life. Um, or it could be that Rose is the same as anyone else. We all have right. our... Um, Almost, entangled lives. Yeah, almost accusatory. Not so much in a negative way, but like you, Rose is the same as you. You are the same as Rose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very important. Um, next. Bad Ben. You have the things I asked for. One pot of honey. One piece of stardust. One secret baptism. And a photo of a ghost. Three track three. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. This is where I'll give you antagonist. Ha ha! I win! Um, Because this is the uh, this is the moment where in Rose's world Mm -hmm. he's a bad man. Yes. Yes. In Shahrazad's world Mm -hmm. the Shah is a bad man. Yes. I mean, this is the, uh, uh, you know, if we were to rearrange the plot linearly, best as possible, mm-hmm. this has tinges of inciting incident in it. Yes. Um, we also see the end of the story in this song. What do you mean? And so Rose left the shop with a brand new camera and the number of the subway driver written on her arm. Fair, yeah. And that's all I am permitted to say. Yeah. 
that's the end. That is technically the end of the story. Yeah. In a literal sense. We don't actually have any other evidence about what happens after that moment. What happens after yeah, if we were to... she leaves Pearl in the camera shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the the thread that runs off into another story. Yeah. Um, and that potential <laughs> is very key um, because the subway driver. Right. Is Dave Malloy. Right. Is the astronomer is, uh, 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 Al's, Al Sharzazard. Shah. Shah. No, Zaman. that's not, that's Brent. Um, oh, that's Brent. He is no, Edgar. He's, he's yes. Never mind. Forget I said it. Exactly. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, that's the thing. So she leaves with a number of written arm. That's never alluded to. And it's yeah. interesting because what yeah. the fuck does that mean? We right. don't know. We don't know. We and, don't know. That's the whole point. And it's we kind of never find out. You don't find out. And that's, I mean, that's the yeah. allusion to Arabian Nights. Yeah. The Shah never finds out the end of the story yep. in order to keep Scheherazade alive. Right. So they do the same thing there. Damn you, Malloy. Yep. It's fine. It gives us lots of more. Um, you... Again, you see more of the negativity, the mm-hmm. theme of people ending up in the soup. Yes. Um, because Shah talks about, well, when you die, I'll just keep drinking away. Uh, I'll be alone in my chair, making fun of people. Mm-hmm. And laughing at them because they've wasted their lives. Yes. What have I done? I've wasted my life. Yeah. Well, and then we see, you know, <clears throat> Britain have her, you know, Rose have her like, hey, screw you. How dare you, you know, love another mm. and lead me on this long. We see her go back to the bear with all the stuff. Um, yes. And the bear be like, ah, sorry. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, before we before we head into the bear, I just want to talk about because um when she goes through, I always knew you were I always mm-hmm. I always knew you did it XYZ. Yeah. Um uh again, something really personal. Oh yeah. In the genius annotations, um Dave says he actually has a direct quote from one of his exes mm-hmm. that is, I am not some fucking logic puzzle for you to figure out. Yeah. Um I think that's worth noting because that's really it's it's a that's deeply cutting um it is it really really is but i get it yeah well and you know also like personal cuttingness aside is an interesting sentence to put like in in this musical rose has been set up as a logic puzzle for us to figure out that's what we're doing right now um and like it is that sentence has stuck out to me and I don't like it <laughs> because it makes me feel like, I mean, I, I think I don't like it in the way that I'm supposed to not like it. Right. Um, that like, you know, it's, it's almost a plea to be like, Hey, 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 just experience this. Hey, 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 just, just stop it. Stop trying to pull it apart. Stop trying mm. to, um, you know, delve into it and, you know, draw your crazy man wall. Like, stop it. That's not what this is about. It's about mm. the experience, which I think is true. And, you know, I think we alluded to it at the top, but like certainly understanding the intricacies and the bits and pieces of the show is fun, but it's not the point. 
Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's it's what we said right at the start of however you experience this, however you take anything away. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Yeah. You are correct. Yes. Even if it's just pure entertainment, and like the even that conceit is portrayed explicitly in the show itself through the idea yeah. of storytelling. Um, exactly. Exactly. That is storytelling. So it, you know, it is interesting to bring it back near the end in what is basically set up for the climax. Yeah, we're we're totally there now. Um the the bear is great yeah. because you build up to this and you're like, ah oh, good, she's won. Yeah. And he's like, nah, I can't be ours. He's like, oh, because no, he's sorry. another one. He's fallen into the laziness. He's fallen into the meh the yeah. passivity. Yeah. Um of it all. This whole show, this you know, she's traveled through the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's so jealous yeah. and so rage filled. Yeah. Well, and he's like, meh. And it's also like this is, you know, why like why present the story nonlinearly? Because the you know Rose needs to have had the picture of the ghost, which she got on the subway platform when Pearl got hit by the train in order to appease the bear here. But yeah. in a second, as we enter you ready? You wanna go there? Let's do it. Usher part three. Right. Um, you know, we see Rose basically get her revenge. Not in, not maybe not capital R revenge, um, but like give Pearl her comeuppance if that's a th- thing. If that's a thing, we accept. We see it here, which had to have mm-hmm. happened before the previous scene where she got the photo for the bear. Is but the, this is why it's all happening at right. the same time. Exactly. And this is where we see it all happen at the same time. The fool, exactly. the cello playing, Usher kid has shown up, is the pusher. Um, <coughs> Rose is here um, as the Rose who's traveled through very many ages. Pearl is here as maybe not the Pearl who's traveled through many ages. Um, you know, Pearl is here probably is just Pearl. Yeah. It's probably just Pearl. There's kind of, it's not maybe directly alluded to, but there's a feeling almost that like this is the beginning of Pearl's story. Um, th- that this is the, you know, if young is a word, the youngest version of Pearl um, mm-hmm. doesn't have a, a history with Rose much until she's dead and then suddenly recognizes Rose. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the end in a, in a second. We'll get to that. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, the fact that it's, this is all now layered on top of each other yeah. because we flip from the Usher house to the subway. It, 
you know, there's not even like a, it's the subway moment. It's it's all it's all in it's well, now all happening. The usher house is once. like reading the story of the subway, like exactly. And she, you know, Lady Usher is going completely batty. Yeah, um, she believes that her daughter is come back to life. Yep, true uh, to the House of Usher uh, source material. Yep, exa- exactly. Um, in the meantime, uh, the uh, who is it that's playing the game? Pearl. Pearl uh, is playing a game um, and is in this other world. Yep, where she's where battling she's a bear, fighting a bear. Yep. Um, she hits the bear. The bear gets angry and she gets pushed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's literally. It's so you know impossible yeah and then man the the way this song like clearly the climax of the show the way it just stops when she gets pushed into the front of the train yeah is like if it's your first time through it is jaw-dropping it's really really great um if you're seeing it in the theater it's even better because remember this is all happening in darkness right yeah (laughs) And you don't, you know, when she starts screaming. Yeah. It's fucking great. Uh, um, I do. Yeah. What do you think of, it's the the second to last stanza in this, about mm-hmm. the moment right before you die. And Pearl says, is such a gift because you get to choose what goes through your head, what your last yeah. song will be. You know, it's it's another one on those lists of like, defining your story and creating your history and your legacy and your truth, but just for yourself, right? In that kind yeah, of it's... existential ghostly capital G way. I know I find it haunting because like, it's haunting. It's so, it's one of those things you never say. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, you said that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. When it, and it is, because it's so real and, and it's so morbid. Right. But also like hopeful. Yeah, it's it's a it's it, that's the thing. It's Star Child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, it is. It's that. Where are you? Yeah. Are you the soldier? Are you Star Child? Yeah. Are you resigned? Hope you know. What I mean, right. What? Where are you? What are you? Who are you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, It's just beautiful. I mean, it's hard to describe yeah. in words, you know, in the same way we talk about the ending of Great Comet, like listening to this mm-hmm. song out of context is one thing, but like after a whole evening leading you here and leading to some of the stuff we're going to hit on side four in the conclusion um, yep. is just a whole nother experience to get you to this conclusion of the story. You know, like yep. I, when I was much younger, I never enjoyed reading books. Um, I frankly still don't Um, Mm -hmm. because I got it in my head very on. Like, why wouldn't you just want to know what happens at the end? Um, Right. Okay. And I think that happens a a lot nowadays. Um, You know, you just want to know the final score. You you know, how does it, how does it end? Um, But in recent years, I think I have, my old brain has finally come around to like, Oh, oh, I get it. Like the, the journey of the story, the journey, journey, the whole thing, especially with something non-linear and fractured like this the mm-hmm. order is so specific and intentional because they chose it in every way um and then you know to get here makes your i don't know makes my insides do funny things 
Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely. It is. It's it's talking about a lot of difficult, impossible things. Yeah. It, it you know it, it's the idea of her smiling mm-hmm. for the camera is fascinating because it's is it instinctual yeah do you know what i mean someone points the camera in front of your face and the first thing you do is that even in this moment of death right <laughs> do you or, know what i mean or is it because she recognizes rose and understands all this history and for this brief moment has this realization exactly. of like oh haha okay here's where yeah. we are so this is where i'm going to bring up lost again okay um have you watched Lost? I made it through the first two seasons. First two, okay. Like most well, this this, this is for the people who've I'm made it to the end. culturally aware of some of the progressions of the last three seasons. Okay. Well, the last season is this. Mm-hmm. The, the last season, this is the theme of the last the season. The bifurcation of life and death. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is that moment of, it's this moment of... Uh, I lifted my head and smiled. I thought of someone I love very much. It's your last. I mean, that is very, it's very much the, the sigh. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, when we get to our conclusion of this podcast, um, we yeah, I think there's certain moments in fiction mm-hmm. that I've realized that I'm obsessed with this. Yeah. Like, I'm absolutely obsessed. It's not the afterlife. I'm right. not obsessed with the afterlife. It's the something else. The, the like, border between life and death. Like, that line. It, it's not, not even, even life and death. It's not even the A and B. Like I said, I don't mm-hmm. like looking at things in black and white. It's mm-hmm. uh, existence A and existence B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I've just become obsessed with it. And this is what I mean about seeing it everywhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I just think it's so cool that Dave Malloy's written a musical about it. <laughs> is this why your favorite musical is If Then? It is. <laughs> it is indeed. I don't mind If Then. Yeah, okay. I can't wait for that podcast. <laughs> can we go That's on a prayer? Of... Can we talk about prayer? Yes, we absolutely can. Welcome to the finale. This is 
prayer and just prayer, I think is my favorite song ever. Okay. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. That's, that's bold. I've put my pencil down. Yeah. I mean, this song made me cry in public two days ago. Oh, wow. 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 Um, like golden palace no more golden palace no more golden palace i certainly go. love golden palace and it's kind of that thing that you know that encompasses but i think you know i am i am fascinated with the internal struggle of our consciousness right mm-hmm. why don't you do that thing today mm-hmm. why don't you get out of bed and just go do it why don't you you know it would bring you joy you know you would want to do it mm-hmm. why don't you And the discussion, the idea of forgiving yourself for that, um, and like this is, you know, it's a brief laundry list of like millennial regrets, Um, right? Loss of wonder, forgetting how to play, being absent in public, right? I mean, millennial from our perspective perspective sorry i I would i would say human i would say is it universal absolutely you know these are i i think i don't know our generation is the best so of course we embrace this stronger he says sarcastically Mm -hmm. right um but like i struggle with every single one of these things on a deep deep level every day um, yeah, completely. And like, I wish there was more literature that talked about like, yeah, hey, guess what? Everyone else does. And that doesn't help or hinder, but it's good to know. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, it's hard for it, me to describe why I like this. Well, no, I, I think it's, it's obvious <laughs> because it is. So it's the shortest song in the whole show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's very much a prayer. Yeah, absolutely. It's a vow. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we look at the language of the song, if we put our analytical hats on, mm-hmm. we're hearing Starchild again. Yeah, sure. Because it's I will. Yeah. Having what well, I, I will. I will. But it, it is I will try, which I think yeah. is different subtly so from just the i will um and like i know you're so right it is i will try i will try i will try and it is the con- like it's almost a conclusion that like star child has failed in in the initial intent of i will be all i can see this is that's fascinating you say that that's really fascinating because to me star child is the 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 other Okay. To not not to this, um, because uh, this is the approach to Starchild. This is the um, uh, the attempt. This is the choice. This is the possibility okay. of getting of, to this Starchild. Is, this is how you become Starchild. Along, like how you get to Starchild. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because what this is, this is a I will try. Um, what you're submitting there is a commitment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on you're saying it it depends on what order you read the story in, because I, Mm -hmm. I think there's a reading where the star child, you know, rose vaguely, um, starts with this grand commitment to 
and we're you know these are all vague of course but starts with this grand commitment towards doing good being the best she can you know setting herself on fire um Mm -hmm. and prayer is if sung by star child who is an embodiment of rose vaguely speaking Mm -hmm. is a bit of a mourning of a failing that we just Mm -hmm. saw her inaction in taking Mm. the photo instead of helping pearl and the concept of forgiveness in that moment is it's not one of like self-flagellation although i think we get there in a minute in hero not you know as strongly but there is Mm -hmm. a discussion there more overtly of rose failing and this leads us into that and not failing is a bad thing right i I, I, like not failing as a necessarily negative thing but just like not living up to the strongest that she wanted to if you follow the story in the order it's presented to us because Mm -hmm. i do absolutely believe there's a reading where this song happens before star child you know with this thought at least i i just think it happens out with okay that's the scottish word out with um uh to me, Starchild has happened. Yeah. Full stop. Okay. Um, Starchild doesn't feature in this story. Yeah. Beyond poking through the veil. Yeah. And showing an opportunity, showing a possibility. Right. Um, of a good. Yeah. A, a, a happy ending. Yeah. Um, and what we kind of have here is the the I acknowledge Starchild, mm-hmm. and I want to go there and i'm going to make that commitment right. but i i exist to try and achieve that in my my humanly form currently and so exactly yeah that's fair exactly so for, so for me i think it's like star child if we look at the infinite strands of endings mm-hmm. the infinite roses that we have star child is the one mm-hmm. infinity war reference <laughs> um that uh that one yeah that did it right and got it and it's Starchild remains. This is what I mean about going back to Starchild. Yeah, it remains as the hope. Yeah, yeah. And uh, prayer. Yeah, is the commitment to achieving that hope. Yeah. Well, let's. We should talk about hero then. We absolutely should. You.
your favorite song yeah <laughs> musical theater talk about mine that's fair i mean i think um prayer and hero are you know part one and part two of it mm, yeah 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 but fair also a beautiful beautiful fucking song it's so just fucking musical theater writing yeah musical theater writing <gasps> yeah it's so good <laughs> It's so good because it's so freaking freaking simple. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is. Um, it is the the poetry that Dave Malloy writes. Um, <sighs> you know, beyond beyond like simple while never being simplistic, um, expressing unfathomably layered ideas in like mm-hmm. s- six words at a time, four words at a time, two words at a time. Yep. Um. Like, where I feel with Dust and Ashes, mm-hmm. um, I'm getting close to getting it. Yeah. And as I get older, I think I'll get it more. With this, I'm like, it's just a journey. It's just a journey you'll always be on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I might be just being far too wanky about it, but I just, like, it, like that I'm, I'm not a hero. I'm not a movie star. I'm not a genius. Uh, I'm not special. Mm-hmm. I'm the same as you. See those last two fucking words. I'm not special. I'm the same as you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I find that hard to vocalize. Yeah. As someone who through his whole life has, you know, from God complex and oh, yeah. thinks he is a magical being. Well, I, I think uh, many of us do. <laughs> absolutely. Abs- and I think, yeah, we, oh, everyone kind of does it at, at times. Um, and to, to kind of stand and admit that I'm not special Mm -hmm. and then look at it with the counterpoint of star child. Yeah. Right. Um, I just don't know where, I don't know where you end up because for me, right. Reading hero, if you're reading it in the, the narrative of ghost quartet. Yeah. Um, she falls into the failure camp. Yeah, sure. At the end of this song. I guess it's time to let the dead be dead. That is a resignation statement. Well, and I mean, I think, you know, it it mirrors um, the earlier lyric about, uh, I never thought that things really die, not in real life. In real life, there's no such thing as ghosts. Um, 
you know, it, it, it kind of puts this context around it. Not, not as overtly as like, it was all a dream, but like, wouldn't life be so much more fantastic if I had lived all of these many different lives and Pearl had lived all of these many different lives and we had these intertwined, multifaceted, hopeful, complex, scary, like multiplanar existences. But instead, I just took a picture of someone on the train tracks. You know, there's, there's a context that you could wrap around this song about like, Rose being like, yeah, and you know, I just watched this person I never knew get run over by a train, and it absolutely, absolutely. killed me. And you know, like she could have been this wonderful person who lived across centuries and who was my sister and my mother and my lover and my daughter and all these things. But in real life, there's no such thing as ghosts, and so here we are. Yep it it is like it, it is it is hopeful and depressing and. But that's the thing, is like, I think, yeah, yeah, because I'm not special, I'm the same as you. Yeah. Right? Sounds defeatist. Yeah. Um, But when you look at it through the lens of Star Child, Mm -hmm. it's. Well, I mean, I don't know, actually, I'm, 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 I'm eternally working it out. I think because it's. There's also a reading that says if this singular character of Rose is star child at the beginning, you can also put it in a way to say like, I am not special and unique in my ability to manufacture and conjure up these existences. You can mm-hmm. do it too, right? There is that awfulness yeah. in it as well. Um, but the, 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 like the dichotomy is intentional and ambiguous as is all of the different things of this. You could read it yeah. both ways, just like every other theme in the show. Um, you know, the, the good and the bad side are not opposites, are not A and B. They exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and... Like, I guess the moral is, like, it's up to you to apply your meaning to that, right? It is up to you to place your interpretation on that, which is embodied in this show and through this show in a, in a meta exactly. way as well. Well, that's it. The idea that it's up to you yeah. is completely it because, you, you know, this could be the one. Yeah. It's one, one little choice, one small action, one coincidence of thought. In this case, the lights went out. The lights could have been switched on. Yeah. One small action. And everything can change, and you can be a star child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we hit midnight. You remembering now? Coming back to you? I think so. Well, am I? Oh, Rose. You're my sister. child and you're my best friend and Rose don't you recognize me it's me it's me your little girl I'm your little girl or maybe there just isn't heaven I mean that's actually pretty likely so <laughs> do you remember when we used to go up to your treehouse look 
the stars through your telescope? I don't actually think that that's happened yet. Dance with me. Ah. <laughs> um, and this is, this is, we're back in kind of the limbo land. Yeah, but with everyone kind of being some representation of their amalgamation of characters. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, Dave has the line about, like, I don't make a lot of money working for the MTA. Like, they're, they are who they are. Um, well, that... As opposed to something like Four Friends um, or... Uh, oh, I see, yes. You know, as opposed to them being Whereas the no. actors on stage. Like, they are some tinging of all their characters, explicitly or not so much, depending upon who you're talking about. Because um, mm-hmm. this is also the moment where, um, you know, Gelsey asks Britain, Pearl asks Rose, are you remembering now? And yeah. Rose says, I think so. And, like, we kind of go through that, and they remember each other, and then they dance. Um, I guess Britain dances with Dave. But there, mm-hmm. there is this, like... It, it's almost, like, it feels like we've met in heaven and these metaphors don't do a good job for this, but finally all is done. The story has concluded itself. And now we take a moment to reflect on the fact that maybe there isn't a heaven. Where are we right now? Who cares? Um, that's, this is, this is the thing that Jimmy's obsessed with is existence B. Right. Cause that's, that's kind of where we are, you know, and lost. This is the, the church. Yeah. Uh, and, the OA, you ever watched the OA? No. The o- Another the favorite OA? piece of ah. the OA. I don't think oh, I've even heard good of gravy! That. We'll talk about it off podcast. <laughs> um, we could happily talk about it on podcast, but we'll be here a long time. Um, but again, talks about similar themes yeah. of the next. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just see this idea of like, uh, uh, are you remembering now? Yeah. Is it coming back to you? Like that moment, that's what makes me cry. Weirdly, and I don't get it, but it, do, it really yeah. does because it's just that idea of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that, I can just, you know what I mean? I can start to distinguish this. Yeah. I'm kind of getting it. Yeah. Well, and I think that is, to me, that is frankly one of the the things I find so beautiful about your enjoyment and interest in this you know, other place, this kind of like meeting of cognition and thought and idea that lives both inside and outside our human existence. Yeah. 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 Because like that's theater, you know, I think it minimizes it to call it just theater, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is certainly representative and exemplary of this in, you know, stupider pieces than this. Right is a meeting of a bunch of minds coming together and creating something that is greater than all of their parts, both as an actor on stage and as an audience coming to see something, you know, you talk about your suspension of disbelief and entering this alternate reality where we have established rules that we're going to accept for a brief moment before we retreat to our lives and both kind of exist at once. And you acknowledge both the reality of the play, but the reality of the actors in the play, is just another example of this limbo of this, yep. you know, in between space and like yep. the, the beautiful and confusing thing about ghost quartet is it has taken the, the medium that represents that to talk about that, you know, it's, mm, like, it's like, totally. a, it's like a book about books. 
it's, it's so interesting again it's so interesting the way you say it because um what lost calls it uh-huh is it's a place um that you build together okay yeah i mean i do think i think you're absolutely right to be fascinated by this because i do think it is something core to the the human existence you know any mm. any theater professional will get wanky about this stuff certainly mm. um but only because i think we legitimately believe it's true that like theater is humanity um and that like theater exists only because humanity exists um yep. and there's something core to the quirky bizarre nature of ourselves and our soul and those indefinable parts of who we are that mm-hmm. fosters some need to do this kind of storytelling living inside our brains but with each other thing um even for people, you know, I think you and I are very, like, facts and figures based. Like, Dave Malloy mm-hmm. casts himself as the astronomer in this. Like, you know, that, like, even people who don't get kind of oogie-boogie, granola, spiritual, religious about other things who end up yeah. in theater still feel a very kind of core, deep spirituality around theater and performance and storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And it is theater, performance, storytelling, music. Yeah. Art. It's it's all it is it. It's, it's all the, that. It's the sharing of creation. Yeah. 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 And that's that's why I say it's divine. Yeah. Because for me it's pulled out of somewhere. Yeah. That we don't, you know. Yeah. No one knows. Well, and it, I but it, it comes out. I think we should get into the wind and the rain. Uh because I think there's a lot about divine theater and theater created from the collective in the wind and rain. There were two sisters who lived by the sea. Oh, the wind and rain. And the younger one loved a man in the trees. Oh,
Everyone has covered the wind and the rain. It seems I know. Um, I first I like so I remember. So I'd listen to Ghost Quartet, mm-hmm. and then I was uh, I've got like a chill playlist, like just yeah. chill. Uh-huh. Um, and that was playing. Got to the end of that playlist, and you know that way Spotify just rolls through and right. just start playing suggested things. Well, on comes Wind and Rain by some folk artists, and mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, the frickety phone. Yeah, it's a song. What's going on? It's been a song already. It's a song. Yeah. It is, well, it's a version of a song. Yeah. Or a version of a, a piece of literature. Yeah. Um, from, like, the 16th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is bonkers. Yeah. Um, but it explains everything. Yeah, I mean, see, um, you know, purpose built, but also not. Right? Isn't that the fascinating thing about it? Is that it's like, mm. has existed before this show, but this show wouldn't be the same without it? No, completely. And it, it was weird, that actually, like, the first kind of thought I had was cynicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, so that's it. Yeah. That's no. what they've got. You know what I mean? This is the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And it just, you know what I mean? I kind of, uh, I got to the, what is it? It's like the... Um, Man Behind the Curtain, mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz um, idea of, oh, okay. But then you realize, well, no, because beyond it, like in nowhere in this song are they talking about, you know, transcendental ideas, you know, place A, place B, right. the spirit. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just an old folk it's, song. It's just a folk song. Yeah. But so, you know, so is the whole show, right? Like, yeah. this is that idea of humanity and oral tra- tradition and existing in music and storytelling and theater and performance art. and Exactly. Just constantly. Exi- and, you know, the cyclical nature of it all directly called out in this and, like, you know, t- turned a breastbone into a fiddle. Um, like, and that's right where we started. It's right where we started. Absolutely. Um, to look at it from a story perspective, Mm -hmm. I think there's something there. I mean, again, this might just be me, you know, reading a bit too much, but who cares? Um, One of the last lines of Midnight Mm -hmm. um, is that uh, Gelsey says that they had kids, Mm -hmm. sisters. And that's obviously the kind of idea of like, it's happening again. Right. It just keeps... This is all happened before it. It just keeps going on. And then we get this song. Yeah. And this is a different story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a Miller. Right. I've never had the Miller before. Um, And this could be the story of the daughter of Mm -hmm. uh, them. Yeah. But also, based on the conceit of the story, could just be Rose and Pearl again. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it could, you know, it's just another stage in this thing. It's another choice yeah to get to yeah star child yeah i mean you know 
you know, it is a, a hopeful Sisyphean tale about like, we just, we just keep going at it over and over and over and over again. Exactly. Oh, oh, the wind and rain. Like, yeah. You talk about it in Hades time. Yeah. You know, it's an old song. It's an old tale. It's a tragedy. And we have to sing it again and again because we might hope that it turns out different this time. That's all we've got. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, you know, (laughs) I feel like, uh, the, the director and noises off when he goes, that's theater. That's art. (laughs) But it's true. Absolutely. It's so true. I'm going to tell the same story again. Yep. My favorite Uh, part, and this is so spoilery, but I think it is one of the best parts of this show. And you can hear it in the live recording. And I was curious about it, which is why I delved in and went past the spoiler raccoon on the genius lyrics. Yeah. Um, But at the end of Wind and Rain all four of them hand their instruments to audience members and progressively get them to play the song and then leave the stage, which is already a beautiful moment and such the antithesis of so many other pieces of musical theater that end on Uh. buttons and all sorts of crazy things. But my favorite part about it is the agreement that they all have with each other, that they will not come back out until the music stops. And so that if the audience just keeps on playing, as Dave like very emotionally mentions in a couple of the genius annotations, they'll just wait and listen and enjoy. And like that is a, a beautiful embodiment of you know something I can't even begin to describe. The spirit of something that like I absolutely mm. can feel and want to embrace, but would dare not even start to try and put words around. I think it's I think it's very much at the core of Dave Malloy's art making. Yeah. Like anything he makes. And I think that's why we love it so much. I think that's why we know uh the people who listen to this and love it alongside us yeah. love it so much. Is because it's for everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? His art is very much art created for the right reasons. Yeah. Um it's it's it is. It's anyone can be a part of it and anyone can take whatever the hell they want from it. Yeah. Um, but you are very much included. Yeah. Uh, it felt that way with Comet because we were sitting in the round yeah. and actors were interacting with us and they were bringing us in. They were giving us drinks. You know, it was a shared experience. Yes. Yeah. The exact same thing here in Ghost Quartet. Yeah. Um, a, tr- a truly shared experience. And there, Absolutely. Like, I think there is something really, like, primal and human about that. And it's something that, you know, you don't see... Like, it, if theater is the evolution of tales around the campfire, you don't see that as much anymore in our contemporary theatricalizations. Yeah. Um, you know, you sit over there, we'll stand over here, and that's about it. Or it'll be an imposition where a bunch of cats are walking over you, or a bunch of Cirque du Soleil performers are performing in your face, or whatever. But, like, to feel welcome and invited into the space as, you know, a non-actor, as a non-performer, but still Mm -hmm. a full participant, that's Mm -hmm. something real, real special. It's extremely special. Um, And a great privilege to be a part of, you know. Like, when when I saw it... uh, it, 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 you know, you're you're just brought together as an audience. That never, that never happens. You stand up together in applause 
at the end, but it's not, you're not together. Yeah. In a lot of contemporary music theatre, um, I think you're there. I, I mean, first of all, a lot of time people stand up for right. just the sake of standing up. Yeah. Um, but it's not a an ovation anymore. It's not a collective, oh, good gosh, we all love this and we're all standing our feet. It actually almost feels competitive. Yeah. In a lot of contemporary things. Whereas for this, you're just sitting and making music together. Yeah. Um, and you're laughing and you're just enjoy you know what i mean you're just everyone's like even if you've not got an instrument you're a part of it you can clap you can sing you can do whatever the hell you want you can and just enjoy yeah this lovely shared experience at the end of it and it's just uh for us for a show that is about a shared experience yeah. for a show that is about we all this we're all living the same line mm-hmm. it's the perfect way to end it Thank you for sticking around. Because <laughs> uh, what I kind of loved about <clears throat> about that was, you know, Tommy and I going into it hadn't spoken mm-hmm. about this show whatsoever. Yeah. I, the last time I spoke to Tommy, he hadn't listened to yeah. it. Um, And that's such a cool thing, I think, just yeah. to work out and share yeah. thoughts, art, ideas together. Yeah. Um, That's a really... When it's, cool, important thing. I mean, I th- I think you know, not to toot our own horns any more than we normally do, but like one of the reasons why I, you got cameras at my flat. I know, right? Um, <laughs> uh, like we reach ideas in the show together that I think neither of us ever would individually. Yeah, and like that is the joy of combined co-creation. And when totally. when it happens well, it happens really well. Um, yeah, but it takes a lot of you know vulnerability and risk, and you have to get yourself in the right place. Whether it's us making this podcast, or you know going to see a collective show, or yeah, whatever. Um, and that's also like the the metaphor for humanity. The day we you know in Mesopotamia decided you'll be the farmers, so the rest of us can do other things. Um, like that's who we are, and it's nice to think about it every once in a while. Absolutely, it really, really is. Um, yeah, I feel fuzzy. That's good. Nice. Uh, which is good. It's good. It's a good way to um, good way to end a podcast. It absolutely is. I just don't, you know, I feel it's weird. Like I feel connected to the listeners. I'm like, I want to be like, I want to know that everyone's okay. Yeah. I want to know that everyone uh, had a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do. I, I'm really intrigued because obviously, you know, more than this was. I think the third most requested show when yeah. we did the hugely successful musical madness. Um, Side note: that won't be finishing, but we we have all the results, so yeah. it's good for us to know what people yeah. want to hear. Um, but 
I want to know why people out there love Ghost Quartet as yeah. well. Well, and that's the fascinating thing, because like, clearly we have huge disagreements about this show, right? And what yeah, it is yeah, yeah. and what it stands for, but everyone seems to, there's something, there's something about it, which is absolutely. Oh, it's nice when you find and that. I wonder if it is the fact that it can be just your show. Yeah. Because it's so personal to you. Yeah. It's so personal to me. Yeah. And I've kind of used it. Yeah. As I do with a lot of fiction as just a lens to view things yeah. through. It allows you to and make up my own shit. Yeah. It, you read yourself into the art you love. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's what makes good art. A hundred percent. So yeah. Ghost Quartet. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Fucking hell. And everyone else. It's this is I, I put in the show notes and Jimmy was like, ice cream in the freezer? What does that mean? Um Yeah, what does that mean? This I is part of the, I certainly haven't been unaware of Ghost Quartet ever since we've been listening to the Great Comet, right? Yeah, of course. Why did I take three years to listen to Ghost Quartet? Um have you ever bought ice cream at the store and put it in the freezer? And had that thought about like, I should, should I eat that ice cream? No, I don't want it today. There's another day for it. There's another day where that ice cream is going to taste really, really good. And then like the next week, you're like, oh yeah, that ice cream. No, no, not yet. It's not time for the ice cream yet. It's kind of how I felt about Ghost Quartet. That's totally fair. That's good though. Yeah. I'm glad That's I, how you have to encounter art. I'm glad I get to eat the ice cream. Yeah. Well, I've still not watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Um, no, I, I totally get that. Yeah. That is... No, it's good. And I think that's a very important thing. And I'm, I'm excited to keep listening to it now. Yeah. Pour over it. Make yeah. notes. Yeah. Um, I've written four things here. Yeah. Right. Four pieces of fiction. Um, that I just want to throw out and recommend mm-hmm. to people. We talked about two, the OA and Lost. Yep. Um, so the OA in particular, the, the OA is uh, d- deeply special. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, like, there's something magical about that. Um, so Rusty Lake yeah. <laughs> is a series of games. Okay. Um, what you can get them on mobile. Okay. You can get them on mobile. You can also get them on Steam. Okay. Um, and it's its own little fictional world that they've created. Oh, I've developed. seen screenshots of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've never encountered a game series mm-hmm. quite so artistic in terms of a, a series. Okay. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of room for, like I said, viewing something through your own lens mm-hmm. within that. Um, so I recommend people play them. Uh, the last one is a book called House of Leaves. Okay. Uh, by Mark, Mark Z. Danielewski. Uh-huh. Um, uh, if you like Ghost Quartet, you'll adore House of Leaves. Okay. Um, because House of Leaves is uh, fiction. Okay. Unlike you've ever seen it before. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not a hyperbole. That is just a straight up fact. Yeah. Um, and it is dark. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Um, it's confusing. Uh huh. 
it's a warren of a story that you have to try and navigate through. Okay. Um, and when you get to the, the end of it, you'll be ready to read it again and put that lens up again and have huh. a have a go. So four pieces of fiction that I think... If you liked Ghost Quartet, you'll like these. Absolutely. And Twin Peaks, but it's a bit different. <laughs> This is and now Jimmy will list off every piece of literature that he likes. Yes, <laughs> but this is what I mean. Like this is what I say about me being obsessed. No, for sure. Yeah, it is. It is clear where your fascinations lie, and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's two a.m. <laughs> that was Ghost Quartet. Thanks for sticking with us for the whole seven hours. You're welcome. <laughs> 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 not at all um right jimmy's got so a... i can get to my bed i'm gonna give you a quiz question he's got it for you are you ready ready as i'll ever be okay during the filming of the movie that this musical is based on a jilted lighting operator intentionally attempted to drop a lighting instrument a light on one of the young actresses in an attempt at revenge for his own daughter not being cast in the role. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. That's terrifying. What show? Dun, dun, dun. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you absolutely can. Come and find me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Hasn Hendrix. And I'm Musical Mash on Twitter and Musical Theatre Mash on YouTube. Or check out our show Twitter at Jim and Tomic. Yes, you can. Or you can head on over to our website, jimandtomic.com, which has a link to our Patreon page and our Reddit discussion. I'm sure there'll be plenty of good talk. We want to we wanna hear how you're all doing after this one. Exactly. Let us know. Let I'm us worried. Know. I'm not. I'm sure you're all doing great. We're all star childs here. I, in my heart, we all are. Tell all your friends all about this. Tell Dave Malloy all about this. Why not? <laughs> I, uh, and I hope he doesn't yeah. listen. I can't imagine listening to three hours of someone talking about how great I am. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't yeah, think I'm someone would have that. three hours to say. Anyway. No, not at all. We'll talk at your faces we'll next, next time. time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Bye! Bye! Right. We'll just. How um, about how about we just let the listeners keep continuing the podcast while we leave? Exactly. Yeah. We'll, you we'll just, just keep talking. Leave everyone. Fifteen minutes of silence at the end of the silence, thing. and you can. And I'll just play every now and then. I'll just insert some like um, hand chimes. Yeah. Exactly. Ding. <laughs> hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.